0: This call is being recorded.
1: Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, uh, Dr. Abramson, Martin Abramson. M.D., who is the co-author with uh, Dr. Chopra, and the book is Conquer Your Diabetes, Prevention, Control, Remission. This book was published by the two co-authors on January 25th. That's not too long ago. Are you there, Dr. Abramson?
0: I am John. Thank you so much for asking me to be on your program. I'm honored. Well,
1: it's it's going to be educational. Let me let me put that up front. Uh, and my audience is just going to soak it up as much as they can. And probably uh, a good percentage of my audience is needs to needs to read this book and and or give it to someone else. Um, let me ask you if I could. Um, in their book, they tell us everything we need to know about diabetes. Both of you, your doctor and Dr. Chopra are professors at Harvard Medical School and known, well-known master clinicians. I'd like to uh, have you av- uh, elaborate just a little bit about that part of being a clinician.
0: Yeah, well, um, uh, Sanjeev Chopra and I have known each other for more than 25 years and have worked together running continuing medical education programs for physicians, both nationally and internationally. Uh, we run a number of courses through Harvard Medical School that are attended by physicians all over the country and from overseas as well. And... Um, Obviously, during COVID, these have been live stream events, but we've had more people from overseas actually attending these meetings now that it's live stream. And when COVID began, uh, Sanjeev said to me, you know, Martin, you've been dealing with diabetes all of your professional life. Why don't we write a book on diabetes? Uh, I've had, uh, as I say, years of experience in, in helping people with diabetes in hopefully helping them lead more fulfilling and uh, healthier lives. And uh, Sanjeev, as a hepatologist, uh, has also had a number of patients with diabetes, and we'll get to that in a minute, because there is a connection between the liver and diabetes. And we decided to embark upon this journey to write this book, which is primarily intended to uh, inspire people who are at risk for diabetes or who have diabetes and let them understand that diabetes does not define who you are or what you're capable of doing. And we embed in our book many stories of our patients who have led remarkable lives and who have inspired us in so many ways through their attitude and approach to how they manage their diabetes, control their diabetes, how some people... Um, obviously at risk for diabetes, have prevented their diabetes. And of course, how some of our patients who have diabetes, type 2 diabetes, have actually managed to get their diabetes into remission. And um, uh, the the goal of this book was to really inform and inspire people with diabetes so that they can uh, improve their lives and take charge of their diabetes rather than have their diabetes take charge of them.
1: OK, I read as I read the information, the um, number of uh, items or procedures should, would be applied and a couple of them, I guess that was the early trials would be stem cell therapy. Would you describe that for my audience, please?
0: Yes. So um stem cells really is uh, cutting-edge research at the moment. Uh, In our book, we talk about um, a professor at Harvard Medical School, Doug Milton, who has two children with diabetes, one of whom was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of nine months. Both children have Mm. type 1 diabetes. Mm. And as a result of this, Doug Milton has dedicated his uh, research career and his life to... What he calls finding a cure for type 1 diabetes. And stem cells actually offer this promise. In fact, um, last year, the New York Times uh, had an article about one, uh, the first patient uh, in a clinical trial with stem cells that um, is being conducted through a company uh, associated with Dr. Melton, where they infuse stem cells into a person with type 1 diabetes and this person um, was able to come off insulin. So stem cells, which are uh, developed in a laboratory, which have the capacity to secrete insulin and produce insulin, can potentially be infused into people and uh, result in their coming off insulin. Stem cells, of course, could be impacted upon by the immune the same immune mechanisms that lead to the development of type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is, as you may know, what we call an autoimmune disease, and that means that the the body tends to think that the cells that produce insulin, in this case, are foreign and attacks it, attacks these cells, and destroys them. And so with the stem cells uh, at the moment, People need to take uh, what we call immunosuppressive therapy to try and stop this happening. There mm-hmm. are also um, researchers working on what we call encapsulating stem cells so that when they are put into the body, those capsules will protect those stem cells from being destroyed by the immune system. This is really promising research and it is truly uh, offering potential for, in the hopefully not too distant future, uh, the ability to cure people of diabetes.
1: Well, I would describe that as wonderful.
0: And um, it's remarkable. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah really. it's truly remarkable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. Uh, I, uh, I will say that you know, type one diabetes. We speak a lot about both types of diabetes in our book. Uh, type 1 diabetes, as I said, is a an autoimmune disease. Type 2 diabetes is a different kettle of fish altogether. What type 1 and type 2 diabetes have in common is that the individual has high blood sugars in their blood. And um, type 2 diabetes is a different disease in that its mechanism that leads to the high sugars is different. In these individuals, there are a number of different factors that come into play, but the two main ones are, first of all, a phenomenon which we call insulin resistance. Now, what that means is that the body's ability to respond to what insulin should be doing, and what insulin does is it it promotes the uptake of glucose into the cells that then use the glucose for energy. In people with type 2 diabetes their cells are resistant to insulin. In addition to that, their body is making less insulin than it normally should. So the combination of less insulin being produced by the cells of the pancreas, which we call the beta cells, and the insulin resistance, which is the inability to push glucose into the cells, is, uh, results in high sugars in the blood. Um, mm. Insulin resistance often goes hand-in-hand hand with weight problems, overweight, obesity, especially mm. weight gain around the center in the, the, the abdomen. And um, where Dr. Chopra and I uh, share uh, many patients is w- the role of the liver and what happens to the liver in states of insulin resistance and diabetes. Um, What happens is there's an accumulation of fat in the cells of the liver, and we call this uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Today, it's the commonest cause of liver disease in the United States, and it's the commonest cause of end-stage liver disease in the United States, because the fat in the liver in some people not only accumulates, but then causes scarring, and what we call fibrosis of the liver. And as a result of that, the liver cells become dysfunctional, and that can lead to a condition called cirrhosis. Mm -hmm. So um, fatty liver disease is very common, and uh, it goes hand-in-hand with insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, which also go hand-in-hand with another syndrome that we call the metabolic syndrome. And the metabolic syndrome is a constellation of clinical uh, uh, factors that include overweight or obesity with high blood pressure, abnormal lipid levels in the blood, lipids or fats. Um, the commonest lipid that is increased in metabolic syndrome are fats called triglycerides. Mm-hmm. And low levels of good cholesterol called the HDL cholesterol, together with abnormal glucose metabolism. And, of course, now what's part of this, should be part of this constellation is the fatty liver disease.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed that uh, type 2 had, I guess, a word I don't, I'm not familiar with, bariatric surgery.
0: Um,
1: can you elaborate on that for me?
0: Yeah, so the, the management of people who have type 2 diabetes is lifestyle modification number one. The majority of people with type 2 diabetes, I'd say 90% or more, are overweight or obese. And a small amount of weight loss, uh, which is a combination of diet and regular exercise, can lead to significant improvement in glucose control, obviously together sometimes with medications. Now, bariatric surgery, which we today call metabolic surgery, is a surgical procedure that is done, and there's different types of surgical procedures that can be done to uh, cause weight loss. And when this is done, there is a high percentage of people that not only can lose weight, but also have their diabetes go into remission. We use the word remission because the glucose levels do return to normal without requiring medications. But remission is used rather than cure because if weight is regained, there is a strong probability that the diabetes can come back. So we use the word, that's why we use the word remission. Mm -hmm. But let me just say that people who go on diets and lose weight together with some medications that can not only lower your glucose, but can also promote weight loss, which we now have available in the United States and elsewhere in the world. If there's enough weight loss that occurs, diabetes can either go into remission or if it doesn't go into remission, can be well-controlled on fewer medications. So the message here is a little bit of weight loss goes a long way towards improving your glucose control as well as reducing risk for many other complications uh, related to obesity, as well as improving blood pressure, lowering cholesterol, and all of that actually contributes towards reducing risk for cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And as we know, cardiovascular disease is the commonest killer in the United States and is also the commonest cause of death in people with diabetes. And there's a lot that people who either have diabetes or who are at risk for diabetes, who have what we call prediabetes, mm-hmm. there's a lot that people can do to reduce what we call cardiovascular risk, to lower the risk of their developing cardiovascular disease, or even if they have had a cardiovascular event, there's a lot that they can do to prevent another event occurring. With a combination of things like controlling blood pressure, controlling cholesterol with Uh, most notably with statins, but there are newer drugs that can control cholesterol. And now we have drugs that lower glucose, but also lower risk for cardiovascular disease at the same time and can promote weight loss. So we have, and we talk about this in our book, obviously the medications to treat diabetes other than insulin. We have newer classes of agents that... um, are quite remarkable, they're safe, they're effective glucose-lowering medications, but they have added benefits of helping people lose weight and also reducing cardiovascular risk, uh, which right. I strongly encourage readers to um, look at in, if, they, if they take the opportunity to get this book.
1: Mm-hmm. And those lucky enough to be a listener to this, uh, where does exercise, fit in, Doctor?
0: Well, exercise is good for what we call, what I call metabolic health as well as cardiovascular health. We've known for a long time that people who exercise regularly have lower cardiovascular mortality. We know that exercise in people who have insulin resistance um, actually improves insulin resistance. It helps the insulin work more effectively. Um, And we know too now that even sitting is bad for you for prolonged periods of time. In fact, people have, have regarded sitting today, they call it the new smoking. Even if people exercise, but they sit in front of their computers for hours and hours and hours without standing and moving around, the effects of the exercise can be negated with this prolonged sitting. So sitting is what we call the new, the new uh, smoking um, and just being generally active all day is very healthy. Mm. And this applies to all ages. And unfortunately, what we've seen over the years is a tendency in our population to be less active, uh, kids don't go out in the playing fields as much as they used to to shoot hoops and play basketball with their friends or run around with their friends. Kids are sitting in front of computers for longer periods of time, leading more sedentary lives. Adults are being more sedentary um, and we, we strongly encourage people to do some form of exercise. And it doesn't have to be intense exercise. But there is a role for intense exercise as well, which we talk about in the book. But just being active, walking briskly uh, uh, for 150 minutes a week uh, reduces, uh, improves mortality, reduces cardiovascular risk. And for those people who are at risk for the development of diabetes, regular exercise, moderately brisk walking, together with a small amount of weight loss, about 7% of body weight, can reduce the risk for the developing diabetes by nearly sixty percent. Mm-hmm. This is type two diabetes that I'm talking about. Okay.
1: Um, is there such a condition as old age diabetes?
0: Is there such a condition as what? Old age diabetes. Old age diabetes. Well, yeah. we don't really talk about old age diabetes, but we. So, the prevalence of type 2 diabetes does increase with age. And, you know, 60 to 70-year-olds, for example, uh, do have more risk for developing diabetes than 20 to 30-year-olds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Having said that, um, we know, too, that we're seeing type 2 diabetes, which used to be Uh, a a disorder that affected people over the age of 40, we see it now affecting children and adolescents even because of this rise of obesity um, in the United States and the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the risk of getting diabetes does increase with age, but the impact of some weight loss with exercise can... Is beneficial at any age. So, age in and of itself does not uh, does not should not deter people from doing whatever they can to prevent themselves developing diabetes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly uh, pay attention and have always uh, paid attention to uh, a right diet, correct diet. Regular exercise. I used to be a runner until I had a uh, a knee replaced.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: Which w- that wasn't fun. Let me tell you.
0: Um, no, no, that's not fun. Uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, <laughs> I take med- all my medications regularly. The VA provides my medications, which is good. Mm-hmm. And um, it's. Um, you know, all apart, I guess, an approach to controlling your blood sugar. That's what I'm, I'm one of the monitors that I've uh, worked with at and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I can't really say I'm I'm obese. Uh, I can't even am you know I'm five foot nine, 180 pounds. Um, I would say mm-hmm. not bad for an, not bad for
0: an old man. Not bad. You're not an old man, John. You're a young man.
1: <laughs> That's right. You, you did correct me before we went on you're the a, air. <laughs>
0: You know, you're a young man who's lived a little longer than some others, but you're still a young man.
1: <laughs> I have to keep that. I have to, I have to tell my, my wife that. You know, she's uh, she's yeah. younger than I am. Yeah. So
0: she'll enjoy right. that. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things, one of the things that I often, when, when I meet a patient for the first time is I don't say, how old are you? I say, how young are you? Because mm-hmm. I, think, I think age is just a number, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't matter whether, whether you're 50, 60, 70, or 80. It's really how young you feel, and mm-hmm. maintaining an active lifestyle keeps you younger. So you, you alluded to the fact that you used to be a runner, and there are many people who, who do tell me that they used to run and they've had knee replacements or they've had other issues that have precluded them from continuing with their running. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot that people can do if they can't run. Not everybody can run, not everybody wants to run. And as I said earlier, just regular brisk walking Mm -hmm. is helpful. If walking is a problem, uh, sitting on a stationary bike or using an elliptical or other form Mm -hmm. of uh, apparatus to, to, uh, to maintain aerobic exercise, and then mm-hmm. in addition to that, doing some strength training, doing some basic uh, you know, core training, keeping, mm-hmm. keeping the abdominal muscles active, uh, using the biceps curls, things like that, um, are all very helpful in what we call improving insulin sensitivity, making the body more responsive to insulin, and lowering glucose or preventing the development of diabetes. So there's lots of exercises people can do. Uh and you don't have to go to a gym to do it either. There are lots of things that you can do inside your own home without getting uh, gym equipment. There's little mm-hmm. bands that you can buy that you can you can um tie onto a door handle or you can use mm-hmm. to uh, use uh, arm to do arm exercises. There's walking as I say is there's no there's no barrier to walking mm-hmm. in most parts of the world, um, and I say to even patients of mine who find that living in the northeast of the United States, um, when it's cold, they don't want to they don't want to go outdoors. It's icy. I say go to a big shopping mall before the shops open and go for a long walk. Take a buddy with you. Take a take your partner with you, uh, and do that on a regular basis. So there really is no reason why people can't maintain activity. And if you're sitting in front of a computer for, for your work, get up every hour and walk around to maintain activity. I have a, and then uh, eat healthy. Oh yes, of course.
1: We do that.
0: Um, Yeah. The the other question that, that I'm asked often is what's the best diet? And, When I I turn around to patients and I say, the best diet is the one that you can actually stick to. There's lots of different diets that we speak about in our book. There's low carbohydrate. There's very low carbohydrate. There's Mediterranean. There's the so-called South Beach diet, which was popular at one stage, the paleo diet. But I think it's very, essentially there's some very simple tips that we talk about um, in our book as well that people can do Mm if they want to try and lose weight or eat healthy. Avoid many processed foods. Limit the amount of starches and if you're going to have starches, have the ones that are less refined. Some -hmm. people say white starches. No white starches. Eat lots of vegetables. Have a couple of fruits in your diet. Have nuts. Have coffee. Now, there's a whole chapter in our book on coffee as well. Coffee... Uh, has been shown, the, the ingestion of coffee, and it doesn't have to be regular, it could be decaf, has been shown to reduce the risk for the development of diabetes. For people who have diabetes, having two cups of coffee a day has been shown to reduce the risk of developing cardiovascular disease. Coffee has also been shown to reduce the risk of certain developing certain cancers. And also the risk it reduces the risk of Alzheimer's disease and uh, parkinson's disease. Hmm. so hmm. coffee is helpful.
1: I saw that, and uh, this morning I had uh, my first cup of coffee in fifteen years.
0: Good for you, and then you must have, <laughs> follow want... it up, and then you should follow it up with a second cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> I will <laughs> Oh. Mercy, I'd like to know, and my audience would like to know where they can, can can find your book. Uh, you have a website. Uh, tell them tell them where they are, where you are, right. if you would please.
0: We well, um, we uh, our book is available through most um, of the online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, we also have a website that talks a bit about our book. It's called ConquerYourDiabetes.com. That's ConquerYourDiabetes, one word. Dot com, And people should feel free to go to the website, take a look. Uh, there's some uh, there's some information about the book on the website. There's links to Amazon and Barnes and Nobles as well. Uh, we've been very fortunate, Dr. Chopra and I, uh, to be recognized by some of our peers, both nationally and people overseas, who, who took a look at the book and gave us a, a tremendous advance praise for the book Um uh, so that's also included on the website, but it's also in the front of the book as well. Um, and our goal, as I said at the beginning, is to really inspire people who either have diabetes or are at risk for diabetes, know someone with diabetes. There's over 34 million people with diabetes in the United States. Uh, there are 85 plus million people in the United States who are at risk who have pre-diabetes. So so if you think about a third of the population either has or is at risk for diabetes, there's probably one listener, every single listener to this podcast either has or knows somebody who has diabetes. And our goal is, as I said at the beginning, to make sure that this does not define who you are. Uh, We have stories in our book of many inspiring people, people who... Accomplished amazing things in their lives people who never let diabetes get there down get themselves down uh, the first story is about a patient that I knew for 20 years who? Uh, developed diabetes in, in the 1930s at the age of eight or nine and she ultimately died after uh, in her 91st year she had type 1 diabetes for 82 years mm-hmm. and she she Um, uh, told her story at one of our uh, update in internal medicine continuing medical education courses uh, uh, a a few years ago and she got a standing ovation. She also Mm -hmm. gave her story at the American Diabetes Association meeting some years ago and she received a standing ovation there too. Uh, she She developed complications of diabetes but nothing deterred her from continuing to lead an active lifestyle She actually, at one stage, represented the United States in curling. She was a national curling um, Mm. uh, uh, phenomenon. And Mm -hmm. um, this woman was truly remarkable. She embraced every new advance that there was in either the type of insulin or the delivery of insulin or in the way she could monitor her glucose without pricking her finger using a continuous glucose sensing device that she would wear um, on her arm or abdomen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and her story is one of just resilience and attitude that never let things get her down.
1: Well, that's a good goal. I can tell you that. I want to thank you again, Dr. Abramson for joining us and opening up our eyes uh, about diabetes. And I want to thank my audience, people that tune in to me searching for Integrity. So long and happy trials to all.